The freemium revenue model is the go-to market strategy for many web-based software companies. Cryptocurrency mining offers a new way for users to pay for premium products in what could become the standard for freemium 2.0. Mindful is a B2B payment solution that offers application developers an alternative to monetize their free tier users. With its payment framework, a user exchanges their spare computing power called hash power for a product's premium service such as Spotify Premium. Mindful aggregates this hash power mines cryptocurrency, converts to fiat, and then pays its clients a profit share. Mindful was founded in June 2018 and recently went through Accelerprise, a SaaS-based New York City accelerator. The company launched Coinstash, the first crypto miner integrated application on the Mac App Store, a direct-to-consumer app targeting Fortnite PC users to earn V-Bucks and an application for points prizes users to earn online points. Mindful has the chance to drive adoption for cryptocurrencies by distributing its mining software to millions of users via a small number of publishers. In this episode, Zach Pelka, CEO, and Connor Swafford, COO, co-founders of Mindful, join me for a conversation about the company cryptocurrency mining, and the future of alternative payments. I am joined today by the co-founders of Mindful. Zach Pelka is the CEO and Connor Swafford is the COO. Welcome to Fintech Daily. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Very glad to have you. I want to kick this off by understanding the problem that Mindful is trying to solve. Today, if users want a premium software product, they have three main options, paying in fiat, consuming ads, or giving up data. Can you describe how internet users traditionally pay for software? I guess the best way to illustrate how users typically pay is using a a product that most of us know and use. So for example, we could look at Spotify. So Spotify, they have different tranches of payments. Obviously, the first one being paying in fiat, so typically around $10 a month for that premium product. Secondarily, there's an alternative way to really pay for Spotify, which is their free tiered model. So whether or not you know, you're basically paying with your attention. So on the back end, Spotify is aggregating a huge amount of data and then targeting advertisements based on your previous spending habits, which obviously is consuming your attention. So this is the way that historically software and desktop applications are monetizing, where you could think of it like a a bronze package for ads and then a gold package in which basically you are paying for that premium product. And Mindful is is really creating a layer in between in that silver package. So Mindful offers a new alternative form of payment for software by mining cryptocurrencies. How does crypto mining actually work? Yeah, sure. So kind of at the highest level, effectively, you could think of in a centralized system, uh, a bank verifies all transactions. So you have some centralized entity that is verifying the money in, the money out, both parties, KYC, AML, etc. So within blockchain, mining is effectively serving as that centralized verifier. So through mining, effectively, you're utilizing computational resources to validate the blockchain 
or more or less to ensure that there is sort of immutability and that the transactions that are occurring were meant to take place. And then over time, each block is added on to the next block, to the next block, to the next block, which obviously gives you the blockchain, which you could think of it as like a historical ledger of all the transactions that have occurred. So mining, you could think of it as the sort of validation and verification process of all of those transactions. And so how can mining be used as an alternative payment mechanism? Sure. So, so when conducting mining and basically when, when sharing your computational resources, as Zach mentioned, you're rewarded for basically finding a block or, or there's a block reward that is divvied up amongst the different miners who shared their resources in verifying a certain order of the, of the blockchain. So at Mindful, as you alluded to earlier on, David, what we do is we basically aggregate a lot of computing power from a variety of users we pull this together to verify and validate the blocks on, on different blockchains, and we receive you know, block rewards. This then ends up being uh, divvied out to our different publishers. And at the end of the day, we credit certain users with you know, premium services that were attributed to the blocks that were mined in the process. Mindful is an alternative monetization platform that allows developers to offer their users the option to pay with their spare computing power. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly correct. So I think the way to think about it really is as an alternative payment framework to a traditional ad-based model. So you could really think of it in a couple of different ways, but effectively we have this software layer that can be integrated within other applications. So imagine going on to Spotify Premium and having the choice between paying with your Amex or paying with your idle CPU and GPU resources that are always sitting there untapped, unutilized. So effectively, what we're using is your aggregated computational resources to go through the whole crypto mining process, liquidate into fiat, pay a rev share deal to Spotify. And then on behalf of that end user, Spotify would effectively credit that user a premium subscription account. So Spotify is just an example. But if you think about kind of in a, a broader scale, the number of desktop applications that really struggle to monetize on their end users, it's, it's endless. Like if you look at Spotify 6K, they're making seven cents of profit per user for their 100 million free tiered users. So think about that compared to their ARPU, which is around like $6 for their premium accounts. There's a huge tranche in the middle, which is around $6, which is effectively where we are kind of building out our niche, our sweet spot and starting to build that product for these other desktop apps. And, and the way that we're able to basically launch our product or be able to monetize on spare CPU, GPU computing powers is in two ways. One is through an integrated SDK in which you open up Spotify, you open up Box, whatever it may be, whatever subscription service you're paying for, whenever that application is running, if you elect to integrate the miner into your, if that individual user decides to run it, then he or she is mining simultaneously. Whenever you're listening to the latest song, whatever it is on Spotify, you're mining at the same time. The other way in which we have is through white label helper applications. So in this way, if a application or a publisher does not have a desktop app, maybe it was Angry Birds and it's only mobile-based, we're able to create a desktop application that then is mining whenever the user decides to open it up on their desktop. And then it is... You know, crediting back to the publisher's account in whatever form that may be. Maybe let's take just a step back and double click on, on mining. So, you know, there are various open source mining software, specifically those targeted at central processing units, CPU based, rather than the more expensive graphic 
processing unit, GPU-based processes. How do you decide which are the best altcoins to mine? I guess taking a further step back, the analogy I like to use is kind of explaining block rewards in terms of like a lottery system. So imagine that you have three different people who have three different quarters. And the first person to flip 10 quarters heads in a row receives $100. So that $100 is the block reward. So flipping the quarters is what mining is. So person A is a CPU. They can flip it one time per second. Person B is a GPU. They can flip it two times per second. Person three is an ASIC, an application-specific integrated circuit. So a machine specifically built to flip that quarter, it can flip it a thousand times per second. So as a result, the expected value of the ASIC almost every single time wins that block reward. And as a result, the CPU and GPU mining is very unprofitable. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, some of the much larger cryptocurrencies that people are typically associated with, they are not ASIC resistant, meaning it's unprofitable to mine with your CPU or your GPU. So with that being said, when evaluating the landscape of cryptocurrencies that we mine with the decentralized CPU, GPU system, we look for ASIC resistant cryptocurrencies. So the biggest one, the most famous one is Monero. So Monero is a big privacy currency which has about a $20 million daily liquidity value where effectively we can mine it profitably at a CPU, GPU rate. But there's also like a, another kind of 20 to 30 projects that are also on the CryptoNote protocol. So the ASIC resistant sort of blockchain that forks every six months, which we can mine profitably. So kind of diving deeper into which of the ASIC resistant cryptocurrencies we decide to mine, it really varies based on a lot of different variables being like, network hash rate, the liquidity, the daily price. There's a lot of different sort of quantitative values that constantly are fluctuating where we have effectively developed in-house algorithms that can optimize across the different CPU, GPU mineable coins, which we then on the back end immediately liquidate into fiat. So our publishers don't actually have a price risk associated with the given cryptocurrencies that we mine. Maybe can you help me walk through what a typical flow of funds looks like and how does Mindful liquidate the cryptocurrencies that are actually mined back into fiat? Yeah, sure. So basically what we do is we pool all of the different users' hash power or computing power together. We put it through proxies, which basically allows us to centralize the computing power so it doesn't have numerous workers uh, submitting computing power to a single pool. And so when we send that from the proxy into the pool, the mining pool of you know, whatever coin it is that we choose to, to mine, then we earn different block rewards. And when we receive those block rewards, we uh, are integrated with a smart order router, um, another uh, third party organization in the, in the ecosystem. And they, through the different exchanges, uh, 15 plus exchanges and, and OTCs, dark pools, et cetera, are able to liquidate our crypto that's mined within about 15 minutes. And even in doing so across multiple exchanges, they do so avoiding slippage that you would have in the market for, for liquidating large orders. And so they liquidate us into fiat. And then after doing getting us to fiat, we end up paying a rev share with our clients. And we do this typically on a weekly basis. And so this is to avoid them going into crypto, the volatility associated with it. And then it's easy from an accounting standpoint on our publisher's ends where they're just receiving you know, a single line item um, on a weekly basis. They don't have to worry about the, the accounting other than it just being you know, one more line of revenue. How much aggregate spare computing power is, is out there for, for Mindful to actually use? 
I guess giving you an exact number is, is kind of impossible, but there's a couple of few statistics that we typically cite. So like one is that there's been 2 billion desktop computers sold in the last six years. There's 23 billion IoT devices sold that were just last year. And the average computer is run about 1,700 hours per year. So all of that being said, there is an unbelievable amount of computational resource that is around the globe today. Typically, if your computer is running, just kind of going through watching Netflix, on Slack, looking at photos, etc., you're looking around 10% CPU utilization and typically no GPU utilization. That being said, we like to think of mindful kind of as part of the sharing economy. So Uber leveraged idle cars, Airbnb leveraged idle homes. Mindful is trying to leverage idle computational resource and basically providing value to end users and publishers. Is it worth it for the masses to compete with institutions to mine cryptocurrencies? Yeah, sure. So the the way that we kind of structure the value for the end user is by inherently negotiating premium products that are worthwhile for that end user. So I wouldn't think about you competing against Bitmain with your MacBook Pro, but rather the kind of cost-centric idea in your mind of, is it worth running the seamless software in the background of my computer? I don't even know it's working to then be given a Spotify premium account for free each month. So there's some competitors in the space, specifically in the mining space, like Honeyminer is the most notable one, where effectively you're being paid out in Bitcoin. So for an average user, kind of that hurdle to, say, get $3 of Bitcoin a month may not be worth it because you're being paid in, in like a, a currency. Comparing that to tangible subscription products that can be scaled at a much larger kind of standpoint with economies of scale, you can get much better products rather than just simply $3. So if you think about kind of the cost to you being less than basically the premium subscription product, it makes all the sense in the world for an end user. I guess there's a lot of variability in the actual value of what a, a given computer can mine based on different hardware specs. How much value can you know my, my recent MacBook Pro generate Sure. Yeah. So, so given the specs in the market, as you were saying, David, it, it really is all over the place. Your gaming computers can do much more than a MacBook Air. A MacBook Pro, when we just kind of last checked a, a few days ago, basically running 24 hours a day is going to generate around three or 350 a month. And so obviously, you know, it, it really fluctuates along with how the market's doing. The market is not at its, its peak as it was, you know, many, many months ago. But it kind of is all over the place. And so we try to work with a lot of gaming companies as they will produce you know, $10, $20 a month running 24-7. But there's also a, a, a reason to try and get a number of MacBook Airs and smaller you know, the computers that are in the vast majority of users' hands. Because as Zach said earlier on, Spotify is still their next best offer is $0.07 cents a month per user for their free tier. So even if you can generate $0.50 cents a dollar a month from some of these users, it's still 10x you know, what the, the publisher would be able to do absent a mining solution. And so to run the, the mindful software, I have to install software on my desktop. Does mining slow down or damage my computer if it's running 24 hours a day? 
Yeah, sure. So there's there's kind of two different ways, as, as Connor alluded to before. So one is as an integrated SDK that we implement our products. So you could imagine this as we would be integrated within an existing application that you already use. So imagine that Spotify pushes a new update, it would already be integrated within that, that sort of desktop solution already. So you wouldn't have to download anything. Alternatively, you would have to download and install software, which would be that kind of third-party helper app that would be connected to something like a New York Times, which may not have a desktop application. So getting to the second part of your question in terms of the potential performance issues of a given computer. So typically your CPU is running anywhere from 10 to 20% of its total capabilities. So this really has a lot to do with sort of Moore's law over time, computational power has grown stronger, whereas sort of the computational resources needed to run like a browser has stayed relatively stagnant. So as a result, Effectively, what we're doing is we've built our miner that it typically is set at like 50, 50% CPU utilization. So you still have anywhere from like 30 to 40% of your computer sitting idle. So the most important thing for us as a company is to ensure that every user has a, a positive sort of product experience. You don't slow down your computer. You don't see any performance issues. There's no degradation, which then incentivizes you to run the software longer you make more, we make more, everyone's happy. So we set that CPU utilization to about 50%, but we give users the option to either increase it or decrease it if they want, if they're seeing any sort of performance issues, as well as we have a very clear ability for users to engage their GPU if, say, they have a good gaming computer and want it to be running anytime that they're not gaming. So this is specifically to really protect consumers from seeing any form of performance issues associated with running the miner. It's great to hear that you're focused on a positive user experience without any major hardware degradation. I want to dig deeper now on Mindful's products and business model. What are the economics of mining for publishers and users? Sure. So, so I mean, looking back at, at kind of what you'd said uh, earlier with what does a MacBook Pro do, about three three fifty a month, um, what we end up doing are revenue share agreements with our clients. So this ranges really anywhere from... 30% to 50% of the revenue that's generated is shared with the with the client. Net of all trading costs and small fees granted. That being said, we've been able to reduce the trade fees with our integration in smart order routing. We only hit about 30 basis points on all of the crypto that's that's mined and, and liquidated. And so in terms of like where the potential falls on a client, we're integrating right now, finishing up a beta, rolling out to the larger user base with a company called Points Prizes out of France. And, and the users of Points Prizes, they basically perform online tasks. So they watch ads, they fill out surveys, and in doing so, they're rewarded with points that they can redeem for gift cards. And so when we approached uh, Points Prizes about the idea of building them a white label application as they don't have a desktop app, and then to be able to market that to their 12 million users, the CEO was, uh, it was actually a sale in one day. So the fastest sale that we've been able to do. And in doing so, you're basically looking at a, a vast majority of users that don't pay for electricity, have PC computers, and are scattered all across the world that we are in the midst of rolling out to. 12 million users, if they're generating 50 cents a day, and we're splitting that with our, with our publisher, or 50 cents a month, you're looking over massive MRR figures from just a single contract. Roll that out to, we have uh, seven more LOIs in place that are smaller user bases, but really across the gamut in terms of demographics that you'll be able to really understand uh, the user behavior and with enough 
aggregation of computing power, generate very large MRR figures, and drive you know, the security of the blockchain forward at the end of the day. So what feedback have you received from your current users that you plan to integrate into your roadmap? Sure. Yeah. So so many of the users have been looking for mobile-based mining, web-based mining, and then there's been different issues with regards to the software on their desktop. And so some of it is backwards compatibility. So it's you know people that have a Windows XP or Windows 7, which you know, at this point, nearly 10 years ago, it's tough to integrate and be backwards compatible with everyone. So that's one of the things that we would like to, to roll out. But in the immediate term, the idea of creating a web-based miner is definitely something that's on our radar. While it's not as efficient, it, it doesn't you know, harness everything native to the, to the CPU, to the computer, web-based browsing mining is another feature of, that we would like to offer. Mobile-based mining, we know there have been some players in it. Some people have, have, have mentioned it to us from time to time. It's just where the, where the uh, phones are at today and what the hardware, what it would do to the hardware. It's not something that we've you know, actively sought out. That being said, it's something that we play with, play around the idea of, of trying to integrate it. Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to build at, at Mindful is an aggregator of computing power, not just from your laptop and desktop, but as Zach mentioned earlier, the you know, IoT devices, the ability down the line to aggregate hash power from your Alexa, your smart fridge, you know, your, your Volt or Tesla, and, and send this all together to be mining crypto, that's where we really see this kind of going in the, the down the line future. Mindful competes with other crypto mining companies, including direct-to-consumer players like Honeyminer, hardware miners like Bitmain, and other distributed networks for computing power like Gollum. So what would you say are Mindful's biggest competitive advantages? It's really two-pronged. One is our distribution channel, and the second is the usability for the end user. So there's a lot of distributed kind of computing plays out there like Filecoin, like Gollum, etc. The majority of them have tokens built into their economy and the sort of UI UX for an average consumer, which these business models only work at scale. It's very difficult. There's a hurdle, a technology hurdle for users. Now, on the other side, if you're looking at a company like Honeyminer, what's really impactful from our sort of business model is the distribution channel. So as Connor mentioned, right now we're rolling out with one client that has 12 million users. Assume that we have a 10% opt-in rate. You're looking at 1.2 million users. You could be looking at like a huge amount of hash power, one of the biggest miners in the world, simply on one contract. So from an economic standpoint, going the distribution route of B2B makes significantly more sense, as well as because you're leveraging economies of scale with an end publisher you are effectively able to take a much larger revenue cut than direct consumer where you're taking a cut out of the end user's pocket. So we think that those are, are two of our largest competitive advantages where this is being built for my 70-year-old mother where she can go on to Spotify, experience the immediate demonstrable ROI of blockchain, of mining by receiving that premium product with absolutely no technical knowledge at all. So that's the way that we've architected our system, our flow of funds, our product, our name even, Mindful. It's specifically having the end user in mind to make the best user experience possible. Focusing on distribution and a great user experience are great differentiators, especially for driving adoption among non-technical users such as myself. 
you're selling your product to SaaS businesses, but the ultimate users are consumers. What are some of the challenges associated with the B2B2C model? I think the the first thing to acknowledge is that mining in general is very difficult to do. So for an individual user to just set up a mining software and try and mine Monero from their computer requires a lot of technical know-how. To do so at scale requires even further. So the idea of Spotify or, or these larger players trying to get into the mining ecosystem, it's rather one difficult as the, the skill set or knowledge base is, is very high, but secondly, it's risky. And the chance of hardware malfunctioning or anything like that on, on the user's computer, these publishers want the ability to be able to outsource this. So that's what they you know, go to experts like us at Mindful to be able to integrate. Now, when we're trying to sell an individual publisher on integration, there are a number of different ways that, that we basically propose mining as a solution. So it can be a complete alternative to premium to paying, though, you know, if the service is $10 and the user ends up making $2 in the month, it could then be a credit to them to then pay the $8 remaining on their Amex. It could be a middle tier in which you unlock certain features depending on how much you, you mine. It could be an elimination or a supplement to receiving ads to your product. So in addition to you know maybe you're mining for Spotify and then instead of receiving five ads every hour, now you receive one ad every hour. Different things like that. So it really is a, a case-by-case basis, but it's well worth it when you're able to sign the contract, get millions of users all in one, all in one fell swoop. It really helps that you get creative with the publisher trying to find you know, the solution that really fits each organization. Mindful previously launched Coinstash, the first CPU crypto miner on the Mac App Store. In March 2018, Apple removed Calendar 2 from the App Store after the app began mining crypto on people's devices in exchange for premium features. Apple has since released an entire section on crypto and its guidelines. What are some of the major changes for mining companies, and how have these guidelines shifted Mindful's products? This event was definitely a really interesting one for us to go through as a company. Definitely one of the biggest reasons, biggest drivers for the Mac store, as well as now the Google store, banning crypto mining within iOS-based apps is effectively because you're able to circumnavigate their 30% fee structure. So by having this new monetization method that circumnavigates the traditional hierarchy that is Apple, that is Google, they're trying to basically put constraints around it. So that being said, effectively, we've developed workarounds in which we can have third-party white-label applications that sit outside of the Mac OS store, the iOS store, the Google store, et cetera. So we haven't really seen this be an issue because one, publishers don't like their apps being downloaded through the App Store because they still have to pay a 30% fee structure to Apple, to Google, et cetera. So it's more just kind of channeling that distribution channel from a traditional web-based download. So imagine going to Spotify.com and downloading from Spotify rather than downloading it from the OS store. So it's been more a kind of architecture of downloading in the kind of root source of where that downloaded app sits. But as a result, one of the things and challenges that it's sort of forced mindful to take is basically going through like third-party app download verification systems. So getting certificates from security systems saying like, we're not scam, we're not a Trojan horse, et cetera, has been one of the things that we've developed is like now we're passing 70 of 70 antiviruses through the PC store. So it's 
challenged us and forced us to become a better company, which has been pretty interesting. And it's pretty cool that something we launched forced Apple to kind of make a big band like this. So we're kind of proud of that. That is something to be proud of. However, users are skeptical of the benefits of mining, let alone cryptocurrencies. Several apps, plugins, and websites have been blocked for malware or secretly mining without consent. How does Mindful provide transparency and education to users on mining and incentivize publishers to focus on user consent? Yeah, so back to you know Coinstash, when we launched that, we didn't have any guidelines or restrictions in place. We didn't you know really know what a what a publisher was going to do with the software when we gave them you know the SDK to integrate into the application. And so since learning from the initial rollout, we basically implement UX and UI transparency guidelines that all publishers must abide by, one of which is limiting the CPU limit of a computer. So we, we uh, harness it at 50% is where the default setting is. And then the user on their own is able to you know, increase or decrease the CPU limit if they so choose. Additionally, as a result of rolling it out at such a early on, we learned that user consent is also clear. And providing informed user consent is something that you know, our general counsel has been focusing on. We have a very strong opt-in process that all users are required to follow in which they you know, understand that this is going to use some of their electricity. They are told that to, to date, no hardware malfunctions have been seen as a result of cryptocurrency mining. It's similar to as if you were just gaming for a few hours each day on your, on your device. And so we require them to you know, check all the boxes and say, yes, continue before they're able to actually open up and begin using the miner in the first place. So what are the risks of mining that users should be aware of? So the risks, as we kind of allude to in our opt-in, is, is one, you're going to use you know, more electricity as a result of it. That being said, if you were to basically look at your electric bill on a monthly basis, you wouldn't really know if it was because you know someone left the fridge door unlocked or it was a little bit hotter in the AC-wise or someone was mining, mining crypto. So it's, it, it comes out to be rather negligent. And then in regards to the hardware performance or you know how your computer is actually going to function, as I was saying, there haven't really been any studies to date that show significant deterioration of someone's computer. We're, re- we're replacing our computers, you know, three years or so on average that we don't think or we don't haven't seen any reason to suggest that you're going to be replacing it any bit faster. We've been running our computers with the software for a year now. We run it at higher than a 50%. Utilization or limit, and we haven't really seen any issues on our end. So those are the main things. And then in terms of computer performance, you know, we educate the user that they shouldn't turn on their GPU when they are trying to game or when they are trying to watch a movie or anything like that. They should do it when you know away from keyboard and have it set to automatically run the GPU at night and things like that. In terms of CPU utilization. We haven't really seen any issues with that. I recommend running it at 50%, but the users are you know, more than in their capability to run it at lower or higher limits on, on their choosing. Great. How does Mindful deliver a platform that is built on trust while delivering value to users and publishers? Yeah, sure. So really, one of the things that we wanted to do is create a legitimacy to kind of crypto decentralized mining. So you've seen with a lot of these open source softwares like CoinHive is the main one that's injected on browsers. It's the number one form of malware right now on the internet. So what are the kind of core characteristics of these forms of malware? 
users don't know it's happening and users don't get any benefit from it. So by really taking a completely alternative stance, by clearly walking users through exactly what is happening with their computer, and most importantly, giving them a reward for opting into that process, it's clearly differentiated us from any of these other sort of malware-based mining softwares. Now, alternatively, we have a huge focus on basically being an incredible company to our publishers. So everything from customer feedback to customized rollouts to really building the best possible mining software for all these individual use cases, which really vary, has been very useful for us to differentiate ourselves in terms of just a mining company that is delivering value for the publisher. So users know what they're getting. They receive a kickback or not a kickback, but they receive a product. And then obviously on the other side, publishers have incredibly sort of customer-centric, customer-focused development and process run for them. Given the needs for cheap electricity, specialized devices, and high crypto prices for mining to be profitable at scale, many skeptics claim there is no way to profitably mine cryptocurrencies on everyday consumer devices. For example, at launch, 21.co's core business plan was to embed ASIC Bitcoin mining chips into consumer hardware devices like USB battery chargers, routers, printers, and IoT devices. 21.co eventually pivoted into a task-based micropayment service Earn.com, which was later acquired by Coinbase. Why do you think the original vision for 21.co didn't work? And what approach is Mindful taking that increases its likelihood of success in this competitive market? So I think while at the surface, it may seem like a similar business model, we'd argue that we actually have a vastly different approach than 21.6. If you look at some of the early decks of 21E6, effectively the competitors that they named for themselves were Bitmain, Bitfury, and basically labeled themselves like an ASIC manufacturer. So I would think that a, a better analogous company today would be someone like a coin mine who's creating a consumerized version of ASICs for an average consumer. Effectively, what they try to do was commoditize ASICs, but this was in around like 2011. So this is a long time ago in the crypto ecosystem to create a consumer-faced product. Additionally, with that approach, there's kind of two baked-in calculations for users. So one, they're getting paid crypto, and then they also have to pay for their electricity. So that's inherently a lot different than receiving a premium product because now there's like an in-mind calculation ROI. But additionally, there is a fixed cost associated with that end user where they actually had to purchase this piece of hardware, this hardware that... Obviously, 2026 had to manufacture at scale, et cetera. So that's a completely different host of potential challenges that led to sort of their pivot to then become earn.com. That being said, the, the process of convincing a consumer to buy a $50 commoditized ASIC or an $800 ASIC at CoinMine is very, very different than, hey, you have this computer, has all these idle resources. Rather than you sitting there and letting your computer run doing nothing, you can get premium products in the background. So we think that by one, taking an approach that requires no fixed cost for a user, you're just using your existing hardware, that's already a huge hurdle in the right direction. But also by taking a much different approach in which users receive products instead of crypto itself, that's also a a key differentiator which then basically appeals to a lot of non-technical users, which is required to get this business model to basically scale. That makes sense. Looking ahead, what are some future use cases for excess computing power? Yeah, so I think that there's 
a lot of different use cases for excess computational resources. Like if you look at the way that the internet has evolved, the overall sort of tech communities have evolved, computational resources grows and grows and grows. So anything from artificial intelligence to TensorFlow and machine learning to CGI photo rendering. I mean, you could look at a lot of different projects in the space, even like SETI, search for extraterrestrial life. There's a lot of use cases for aggregated computational resources, whether it be a distributed alternative to an AWS, a Google Cloud, a DigitalOcean, Azure, et cetera. Or you could look at projects that are not actually based on your computational resources, but other use cases, maybe your excess Wi-Fi, someone like a Filecoin with your excess storage. There's a significant amount of assets that are built into the hardware that people use every single day, which is yet to be leveraged and tapped into. So this is something that we view will continue to evolve as both the crypto ecosystem evolves, but as well as artificial intelligence and other technologies grow as well. There is going to be this need for aggregated compute. And obviously, as we've seen sort of the blockchain decentralized ecosystems grow, we think that there will actually be a premium for decentralized systems of aggregating computational power rather than being reliant on just one group of AWS servers in Long Island or something like that. And finally, what do you think are the biggest challenges for crypto mining to become the future standard for Freemium 2.0, where all publishers adopt mining as an alternative monetization tool? Yeah. So, I mean, if all of the publishers out there started wanting to get into you know, into mining, I think that one would just be incredible validation of what we're trying to, to prove, that there are users out there that would like to share the computational resources that they already have on their on their devices and earn you know, additional premium products that they didn't you know, want to elect to pay with fiat beforehand. The idea of all of these large publishers trying to get into it and as I was kind of saying a little bit earlier, the idea of them actually creating the products and understanding how to proxy or send proxies into pools and liquidate and run smart order routing, I think is a much more niche uh, knowledge base. That being said, you know, if they are, it's the validation that we're looking for. And I think that that's, that's where the, the ecosystem is kind of headed to. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that being said, I also think that there's a lot of risk associated with crypto mining from a PR perspective, from a regulatory perspective, looking at KYC, AML, FinCEN, MSB. There's a lot of things that make CEOs, CFOs, counsel wary. So by being able to effectively outsource those risks to mindful in which that's our core competency, that's what we sort of run and that's what we do, it is well worth it for these publishers. And again, it's, it's been, we're 14 months in development. We are absolute domain experts on kind of across the different gamut of pooling, mining, et cetera, that for these publishers, at least when getting into the ecosystem, it makes much more sense to partner with a company like Mindful than to try to do it in-house because there are just a significant amount of technical, legal, operational, financial challenges that a CFO or a general counsel at a public company would immediately nix. So that, that's what we view as kind of our value proposition, at least in the interim. And, and we'll see how it evolves as we think mining sort of becomes a more public and commonplace form of monetization. Thank you, Zach and Connor. This has been really awesome. I really enjoyed talking with both of you. Thank you for joining us on Fintech Daily. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it.